Welcome to the Clarity and Collaboration for the Community of Climate Changemakers podcast. Phew, what a mouthful. (laughs) Now you understand why I shortened it to the 5 C's podcast. I'm your host, Charlene Norman, and today is the last episode in our series about a different way of doing quote-unquote collaboration. Our guest is Jessica Lutz, a former TV and radio journalist slash correspondent who for 20 years reported from some of the worst war-torn areas in Turkey and in the Middle East. To recover from the PTSD and shock to her system from all the suffering she had reported on, she spent some time trying to understand how the body heals itself and how the brain compartmentalizes information in order that she could begin to heal her own self. And then after that, she spent another eight years investigating how humans interact and lead and set up her own consultancy practice. Jessica is based in Brussels now, has worked all over Europe and written nine books. Last month, she released her latest book, Me Mind, We Mind, and you are one of the first to hear her just before she embarked on her publicity tour. All the ways you can reach Jessica are included in the show notes. Today, we dive into some of the specifics every business leader can experiment with to create deeper and more meaningful collaborations. And as you will hear, both Jessica and I get pretty passionate about what we've seen. I wonder if if you can just pull out a couple of ideas from the part of your book that really drives home some simple things that people in business can actually do. Um, Well, I have this section about communication. Okay. And I think very often the misunderstandings start there. We-minded people tend to communicate in a more modest style. We-minded people don't like to be tooting their own horn. But we-minded people also use language that in our current value system is perceived to be weak, but is actually about connection. So giving other people the floor, speaking with the things that indeed soften a sentence, uh, hedges, tag questions, saying sorry when there's nothing to apologize for. It's a communication strategy of the we mind to make sure that you maintain connection with the other person and to make sure that the other person doesn't perceive you as competing for status or as threatening. But in, in for instance, interviews, candidates are dismissed for because they don't speak confidently enough. They're not it assertive enough. They don't yes. have confidence, right? And it's not true that they don't have confidence because if they apply for a top job, it means they have confidence. But in that communication with in, in the interview, because they express themselves in what is also called facilitative language, they are viewed as unsuitable for that leadership position. So becoming aware of those things is already a big step, I think, that if you realize that when somebody speaks that way, it doesn't mean that they're not confident. It just means that they are facilitating connection and they want to make sure that you feel good, that you feel heard and seen. They're about you more than about themselves. 
it's just a different style, right? And it 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 does not mean that they're not competent. So that that's one I think very important thing to realize in a in a business setting. High achievers who many companies love to have because they work 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 work, but they also are at risk of burnout. Why is this? Well, because they are we minded, even though they seem to be me minded, because they're all about self expression, right? The work. Work, I view work often for people who love their work is a form of self-expression. But underneath that is the the need to contribute. High achievers are driven by the need to contribute, their desire to contribute, but at the same time, they have this feeling that it's never enough, that they're not contributing enough. And that is in a in a nutshell why why people risk burning out. That, that feeling that it's I can't do enough in order to get that satisfaction that I contributed something. I won't go into why that is, but it's because there's there's more to it than only being we minded. But the we mind is is a big part of it because our we mind refers to success and refers to ourselves through others. So. Our we mind wants to be validated by others. That's how you get that feeling of, yes, I got it right. I did it. I, you know, I, I was useful. I, I contributed my thing and that's good. So, and again, I'm kind of going on a little tangent, but in, in a lot of self-help advice, it's, or people complain that they, you know, to need Validation from other people, if we find that weak, uh, it's something that you need, you, you shouldn't be doing. You should have, you should be able to validate yourself. That's often the advice one gets. And again, this is, it, it goes to show how we don't really understand our we mind because our we mind can't validate itself. Our me mind validates itself, but we need both. So within companies, to come back to the company, if you understand that people need to hear that they're doing, that they're contributing, they need to be confirmed that they're contributing. So saying thank you, say, giving compliments, affirming that they are of value goes a long way to make people happier at work. In my experience, there's a there's a whole mess of, of uh, managers and directors and VPs and whatever who say, you should never compliment because, you know, they're being paid to do a job. But the thing is, people are not given compliments at all in terms of a pat on the back, but they are crucified for the one mistake out of the 20 things that they do. They do 19 right, and they don't hear a word of praise because that's what they're paid to do. They do one thing wrong, and you'd think the entire world was coming to an end. But I think the distinction is, is look at how many times you're giving crap to someone because they screwed up one thing and you don't acknowledge the other 19 to 100 things that they did right. There is a balance there. And and mm-hmm. it's not about mollycoddling anybody. It's when people mis- make a mistake, they know they made a mistake. Most times people know they made a mistake. You can make them, sure, make them feel worse and, and beat them into the ground, but at least make them feel good for the majority of the time that they did exactly what you wanted. Yeah, and, and making mistakes, I mean, mis- a mistake is a mistake, right? It's something yeah. that usually is not done by on purpose. Exactly. It's a mistake. So you could also be forgiving 
uh, about mistakes, I would say, you know. I think that I mean, actually is a very profound way of looking at things. Be forgiving about mistakes because if you take the point of view that most humans are doing the best that they can, most humans don't have the knowledge that you might have in your own head. So most humans are not going to get it right, right off the bat. Forgive them for it. You forgive yourself for it. Forgive others. Not everybody forgives themselves, but yeah. I, I think your point is, is incredibly valid about boosting profit levels, keeping loyalty f with your with your employees, uh, satisfaction in not only the caliber of the results that you're getting, but actually in the process that the employees are getting themselves. And the one piece that we haven't really touched on is helping your employees make their own personal goals and objectives. We get mm. so focused on we have to have an EBITDA of X amount of dollars. We have to have a market share of X percent. We have to have this many customers. Okay, those are all great. However, they're one-sided. In my experience, the we-sided people, the people who want the connection, the people who want to help people belong, you got to make the effort to ask folks to say, well, what exactly do you want to get out of this? There's no rule that says you have to give them 100%. It's impossible to give 100%. But as long as you're working towards not only what you're trying to drive for the company, but also for them personally. Yeah, it's, it's, it's again, part of making people feel heard and seen, right? That, yep. And valued. That Yes, it's not only about making money for the shareholders. No, you're here too, because you want to feel, and, and for we-minded people, it's very important to feel useful. And useful is bigger than making a profit. Being useful is contribute. So to be valued for your contribution and to be yeah, because what are people's goals within a work setting, right? It's it's maybe for some people it is okay. I want to make so much money that I can buy a bit bigger car, possible. But many people are motivated by wanting to take proper care of their family, for example. And that has no that has no immediate value to the company. Hmm. Well, you think <laughs> the traditional way of looking at it is there's yeah. no value to the company if all you care about is looking after your family. But if you make it easy for that person to look after their family, the value to you as an organization increases exponentially because of profits going up, no employee churn, happy employees, dealing with yeah. happy customers. It's exponential. Yeah. I found your book fascinating. I highly recommend everybody read it. There are so many nuances to this that take into account all the things that have bothered me about the DEI and the gender and the isms conversations that are going on versus we. Is there anything in summary that you want to impart upon the listeners? How would you like to wrap this up? I would like to, to bring it back to the gender issue because what upsets me a lot is how women are portrayed constantly, not only by media, by initiatives, but also by themselves as victims. In the current debate, women need to be helped, need to be empowered. Women need to be relieved from their children, from the caretaking tasks, etc. Because poor things 
it's it's so terrible. And actually, when you look at the statistics, indeed, women much more than men are depressed. Women more often suffer from burnout. Women struggle with imposterism. Women, women, you know, who wants to be a woman? I believe that my framework of the we mind versus me mind can take us out of there. Valuing ourselves for who we are, valuing what we bring to the table. And yeah, I think that it helps us to stop victimizing ourselves. Throughout this entire podcast, I've tried to be the host who does not inject her personal opinions and experiences into every single discussion. But I sure blew that philosophy entirely out of the water while chatting with Jessica on this series for one simple reason. We immediately hit it off and felt we were sisters from different mothers. She tapped into some beliefs I have held tight my entire life. And listen, if you and I are going to change how things are being done in the world, we need to share our experiences, especially when we're presented with new ideas. Acknowledging that we all have a we mind and a me mind and then figuring out how to use the right piece at the right time, well, to me, that's just a perfect way to strengthen and deepen our collaborations. Because suddenly, all the usual diversity, equity, equality, inclusion, and ism issues disappear. It becomes all about human-to-human connection, value-to-value connection, which at the end of the day, is what savvy business leaders always acknowledge is the best way forward. Listen, we are living in times I call the messy middle. We're living with the unintended consequences of actions taken over the last 200 years. We can't go back and ask to do a do-over. At the same time, we can't go forward doing all the same things that we've always done. The only thing we can do is to do better, and that do better must be in the highest good for all. 